0: As Houston looks to join the Big 12 in just 48, 72 hours at this point, uh, had a pretty big week in recruiting. So, you know, we had to bring on Brian Smith to help us break it down. Let's jump on in. You are Locked On Cougars,
1: your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to Lockdown Cougs, the daily podcast all about you Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth. And today I am joined by Brian Smith, a recruiting expert here at Lockdown. You're getting a lot of work this June. How are you doing, Brian? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I like it because that's my profession and it's the chosen one, but it is rather active. Uh, <laughs> 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. is is the norm.
0: That's a long month, but an important month in recruiting. Um, and the 2024s have been flying off the board. Um, Houston got a number of guys in this week that kind of felt like different from normal for Houston. And it's a little bit out of order for the folks watching on YouTube on the side here. But I actually want to start with something that's happened in the last 24 hours of us speaking that I kind of threw in here last minute. And that's Latrell McCutche- McCutcheon transferring in from USC. Um, he was at SC at Oklahoma the year before he's a right he's a Lincoln Riley guy he left with Lincoln went with Lincoln right um originally from Austin LBJ so you know the McCutcheon brothers are are, I guess both coming the younger McCutcheon being a linebacker that um not quite as highly touted as his brother but they're both coming um what do you remember or what can you tell us about Latrell McCutcheon when he was coming out or, or did you watch him at all at USC or Oklahoma do you what do you know about the guy He's a,
1: a traditional defensive back that can cover, play man, play zone. He's got some length. He was a kid that was heavily recruited. Um, his recruitment and his travels, by the way, are very unique. Think about the following: From Austin, but goes to Oklahoma. Leaves Oklahoma, goes to Southern Cal, leaves Southern Cal, now heading to Houston. It's bizarre. He's, he's, he's had a well-traveled career. Um, but he's a kid that he, he contributed at OU, and then he contributed quite a bit last year. I think he's going to play. Now this, the question is, because everybody's defenses are different in this modern era, I don't know how they're going to align things this next year for Houston. So is he a nickel? Is he a corner? I don't know where they're going to play him at. But he, he can come. So as I told you before the show, it doesn't matter what league you're in. If you don't have DBs, bro, you're going to get smoked. It's just it, it's the hardest spot to cover. So anytime you get one, especially when somebody like Oklahoma or USC wanted them, it's probably a good <laughs> sign. It's a good sign. You know what I
0: mean? So. He was a four-star kid at a high school, um, and, and like you're saying, he's six-one, uh, long wingspan. Yep. Um, very coveted recruit at a high school. At, at that, I have to say, um, how, how often have you seen a program of Houston size? pull in guys that really like he really played at Oklahoma and USC. He wasn't trying. He's not coming to Houston to find playing time. He was getting reps there. This is a little uncommon, right?
1: Well, I mean, it happens once in a while, but when I saw it, I was like, Oh, good for Houston. Cause like, you know, you was that what I was expecting to find today? No, it was not. But that's the whole point. If you're going to take steps up, And I say this every time I come on your podcast, you've got to get kids (laughs) that you're not supposed to get. And then it's got to become a norm. Well, this is the start of it. This is the first week for the norm. And it's ironic that like what you mentioned, what is it, July 2nd or whatever, July 1st, they they become the Big 12 member, whatever. (laughs) But that probably has something to do with this. I mean, we don't have to go into it. It's common sense. I've had coaches on different staffs tell me once we go Power 5, this matters. You know, they know they're going to get different kids.
0: It, um, it, I would think it matters well, a lot. Um, I, I have to say that it's funny, you know, A, people have already been retweeting. There's pictures of him in high school LBJ putting the horns down, right, because he was committed to Oklahoma at the time. So that that strikes a good chord with us. <laughs> um, I I think that it, Texas fans will think of, like, their, I guess he had a big – Xavier Ward, they had a big touchdown catch against McCutcheon when they were uh, both younger guys a couple years ago, but – That was a true freshman, McCutcheon. I think he's grown up a lot um, in the last two seasons. (laughs) Um, I I wouldn't put too much stock in that, but I think that's going to be a fun part of this game going into – I think it's October 21st is the game against Texas. Um, Really, really unique. Not the most unique thing that's happened last week, though, Brian. Um, We talked before the pod about Maurice Williams Jr., Mo Williams – four-star kid, one of the highest ranked recruits to ever commit to University of Houston, but I've spent a year verbally committed to LSU. Um, and Houston doesn't typically get to steal. I mean, I hope they do a lot more in the next few years, but Houston typically steal kids from LSU. What can you tell us about Mo Williams? And, the, and then going into it, like, what's, the, what's that process like? How unique is this?
1: He's a linebacker that can really run. He's a modern linebacker. He can, he can play strong safety. 20 years ago, he probably would have played strong safety. But now that we're in an era where everybody throws the ball all over the lot, outside of like Navy or Army or something, he's probably going to end up at that overhang linebacker spot that is so difficult, at least to start, and depending on how big he gets, he could end up at will. But, again, foot speed, the ability to change direction and play in the modern game makes him a candidate – to be like an SEC West early player. You know what I mean? Like the Auburns and Alabamas, LSUs. So when I saw a flip to Houston again, I was like, oh, good for the Cougars. Did not <laughs> see that one coming. And that's what I've said on your podcast before. At some point, I didn't expect it to be this soon. They had to start getting a few of these kids. And I don't know, you know, is it an anomaly, et cetera? I have no idea. But if there's not number one, there's not number two. So, and especially because he's lives right on the edge of Houston, let's not kid ourselves, that's also a very valuable data point. Some of the other kids I don't know as much about that they got here recently, but if a few of them are from, again, the greater Houston area, within an hour. That is important. When Houston was good in the 80s and early 90s, they had a ton of kids from South Texas and East Texas, areas that... Like, they beat Texas and Texas A&M for some of those kids, you know, LSU, etc. That doesn't happen very much now. You know, they get, like, one or two kids a year that those schools want. So, this is a great sign for them because, like, everybody needs linebackers for this era like him. That is a great sign for – because I'm not worried about Houston getting offensive players. They've always figured out offense in my life. I don't know what it is. They just always have (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But getting defensive guys now, especially going into a league like with Texas Tech, uh, obviously TCU because they these teams are going to be playing. If you can't drop 35, you're in trouble. I get it, but you got to at least keep teams to 28. Like you want you want to have some margin here. DBs and linebackers that can run, like the two kids we've talked about today, that changes your program. Now you just got to do it over and over again.
0: Well, and I'd imagine—correct me if I'm wrong here—but uh, so Morris Williams Jr. is a 2024 kid, so it won't be this fall. But he's he's liable to start his first fall in Houston, just because they don't typically get that caliber of athlete on campus. He's one of the—he's the, the highest-ranked recruit since Ed Oliver to come to town, for, for reference, right? Like he's he's a sure. big deal for us. Um, am I wrong in assuming that that could happen for him as a freshman? Uh, physically,
1: no, you're not. Um, But linebacker, just as a pre-warning to everybody out there, this isn't like basketball (laughs) where you can give a kid four or five basic plays and then the skill to like jump over guys and dunk happens. (laughs) It's not that way at all. It's polar opposite. It's about knowing reads and keys and a gazillion hours of film study. Linebacker is horribly difficult for freshmen now. It's gotten a lot worse because of all the formations and stuff. So I wouldn't throw the start out there. Because it's above the shoulders that's so important. It, it, it sucks, but offensive coordinators come out in 22 personnel and go five wide. Right. If you don't know what you're doing there, that's a touchdown. They tend to take that guy off the field. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs>
1: yeah. And I understand it, it's very frustrating, but it's really hard to be a freshman in play unless it's D line or corner, C ball, kill ball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where they
1: got to make reads after the snap, eh, it's not usually real good for freshmen.
0: Well, it's all reads, right? Because athletically, like I, I think he's oh, the big he's just like, it's the LSU how, was how not reaching.
1: LSU yeah. was not reaching. Okay, he can he can play. Yeah, but in high school, it's a whole bunch of sea ball, kill ball. <laughs> My guy's better than you. He's going to outrun that tackle, get around, and kill your running back. Deal right. with it. It's not that way in the SEC or the Big Twelve. You've got to you, you got to scheme it up.
0: I want to talk some more about a handful of other guys, but before we jump too far in, I got to talk a little bit about our buddies at FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and you can take your first swing at betting in the MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet back in bonus bets of $200. That's right, just 20 bucks, and you get $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend on everything from money line to Over Under. So if you think it's the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use, Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MOB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel. And if a partner of Major League Baseball. All right, um, Brian, I'm going to throw this out as a dealer's choice of sorts because Houston went from having one kid in the 2024 class to having uh, seven currently. Uh, we talked about Maurice. I'm going to take him off the board. But Rayquan Bell is an offensive lineman from Houston Westfield. Heath McCree is a wide receiver from Austin Westlake. Very storied program. Um, Ronald McClain is a offensive lineman from DeSoto. Jaden Petaway is a safety from Angleton. And Caleb Thomas is a tight end from North Shore. Dealer's choice here. Who do you know or who are you most excited about when you see that list of guys?
1: I know the kid that, that from Austin because I've seen him play just by accident. He's a good football player. I was at a game that he that he played in. I, I went and saw him. Would have been his sophomore year, but I don't know a ton. I was I was there watching the kid that was going to Notre Dame. The receiver ended up signing with Notre Dame. They that program is legit. It, it's operated like a college program. Um, DeSoto is tremendous. Angleton's a program that's always had kids, and of course. If you live in the Houston area and you haven't heard of North Shore, where have you been? Um, the only thing I want to make a general observation here. You, you can't hit a home run unless you swing hard. They're going to the schools where Texas goes. They're going to the schools where Alabama goes. They're going to the schools where Notre Dame and USC and Oklahoma. That's the only way you're going to get there. I, I hear fans sometimes talk about, well, we can't get that kid. Well, if you can't get that kid, you can't win. Why in the hell are you watching the games? (laughs) College football, for me, and this is just my own announcement, 80% of it is recruiting. It's just true. Look, I I know Nick Saban and Kirby Smart can coach, but their guys are a hell of a lot better than most of the other teams. It's just true. So you got to go get guys. And even to climb into the Big 12 this first year, I have no idea. It's, it's difficult to say how Houston will do, but to compete with Baylor, how physical they are to compete with Oklahoma state, how good they are schematically on offense. They do a tremendous job. You got to get dudes. They're recruiting the right programs and they're getting kids that have upside that are athletes that are long. That's, that's the starting point. In a lot of ways, that's what Baylor did about 10, 12 years ago when they started to come on the scene and they were good. It took a lot of raw kids and they coached them up because Baylor wasn't beating Texas for a lot of kids. OK, I mean, yeah, you no, know, that coaching staff had other problems, but it wasn't evaluation skill problems. So Baylor kind of did that. I think Houston can, too. And it's a little easier at Houston because you're right in the middle of one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country. It's third or fourth, depending on who you ask, between Houston and Chicago. It's not that difficult. Now, the question is which one of these kids, they need somebody next year in 24 to make that instant impact to make it cool to go to Houston. So a kid like DJ Lagway that's in Willis right down the road, who probably didn't even consider Houston, I'm going to guess, they need to get somebody like that to be a Pied Piper somewhere for the 25 or 26 class. But they're, in, they're on the right direction. And I think, to be honest, they're ahead of where I thought they would be right now, to be really, really honest with you.
0: Yeah, Lagway's interesting because he's from just north of Houston, yeah. um, committed to Florida, and he's one of a handful of, I would call, reach quarterbacks Houston's gone after in this cycle. The ironic thing is, the one kid that hasn't committed, he may end up going to A&M, it looks like to me. But Trevor Jackson from the other side, uh, from West Orange, Florida. I know um, Trevor well. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like he and uh, Lagway are flipping spots in a way. Like I would have thought Trevor was going to go to Florida. He's from Florida. I would have thought Lagway is going to stay in Texas, and they're kind of going to opposite programs. Um, Anyway, I say to say that they've reached at quarterbacks this cycle in the 2024 cycle that is so far, and it looks like they may, uh, they may strike out. Um, it if you're trying to build the program, do you think you have to get the quarterback first, or in getting these guys like Mo Williams Jr., um, like uh, tight end from North Shore in, uh, you know, in Caleb Thomas or, or what have you. It, do you build, can you build it and then pull in the quarterback in and say, look, we've got the guys? Or ha- is that the in- inverse order of how you would say it has to be done?
1: The unfortunate part with this, uh, if you think about the National Football League, and I'm sure you've watched your fair share of NFL drafts, you set your board and you do your order. In college football, college, this is the only time this is the case. The head coach, the coordinators, and all that have zero power. They don't have any. I mean, they can tell the kid if you don't commit now, your scholarship's not there. And sometimes they try to pull that kind of stuff. But it usually backfires. Kids are on their own timetable. Do you want your quarterback to commit early, especially if he's a four or five star kid? God darn right. You do. It matters. But they don't have any. They don't have any way to do it. So you do the best you can to get that guy in. And like Lagaway's helped Florida's class as an example. Well, you know, he's a great player. He's one heck of a player. But you just get the best kids you can, especially when you're joining a league and you're jumping into the power five. I don't think anybody on Houston's staff is going to complain when a safety or a receiver or a running back or something commits. They're just going to get as many good players as they can. And I'd imagine for the next couple of years, they'll look at some of the Juco kids and they'll be a little bit more heavy handed with the portal, especially linemen. That'll be the biggest jump up, in my opinion, for Houston. For UCF, for Cincinnati, for BYU, the depth in the in the D line, in particular, and to some degree O line, it's hard to develop kids quickly at those spots. So, I think Houston will be fine, whether or not they get a quarterback, because they'll get a, they'll get a transfer kid if they have to. So, I'm not as worried about it.
0: Well, and, and selfishly, I'd always assume uh, a transfer quarterback would want to play for Dana, right? If you're it unhappy, yeah. yeah if you, if you're unhappy with what your production or the play calling or whatever where you're at, you've seen Clayton Tune, you've seen Case Keenum. Even when he was at West Virginia, like he had uh, he had a year of Geno Smith or or Clint Trickett, even had a good year under there. Like like he's had guys come through and ha- put up pretty decent stats. Um, it, it'd be appealing, I would imagine. Um, so, like, they knock on North Shore's door. They've got Caleb Thomas, the 6'3", 225-pound tight end. Um, or they knock on Westlake's door. They've got Heath McCree, the three-star, crazy fast wide receiver. Like, like in watching stuff after he committed, that was what took off the field to me. It's like, he is very, very fast. Um, like, track speed, like, top and whatever in the state last spring is fast. Um, do you think that helps? You've done this for a while. Do you think it helps to already have – a 2024 kid from North Shore, a 2024 kid from Westlake, a 2024 kid from DeSoto and be like, hey, look, your buddy's already coming. Or does that really matter? Is that just –
1: It can. Things- it, it, it does sometimes. There's a couple of kids that I know, living down here in Florida, that are committed to certain schools that are tight with other kids that are ranked higher, and don't kid yourself. Part of the pull for them to get to sign those kids for those coaches because they wanted the other kid, period. Yeah. There is. I mean, There, there is no shame here. If it's close on whether you're going to offer a kid, what are the intangibles? You know what I mean? That That's just true, man. It When it comes to getting a four- or five-star kid, coaches do some really funky things. Uh, that's actually one of the milder ones is recruiting their buddies. So, yeah, it matters. And it, it's also an area thing. That's the bigger one. Certain kids associate differently. Like there's a north-south battle in the state of Texas. Houston and Dallas always has been. With the high school kids, because those are the two areas that win the most state titles, for obvious reasons. But they still know each other, and if a kid from Houston hears that a kid from Desoto is coming, that's whether he likes that program or not, he's going to respect it, and vice versa. You know, like, oh, they got a North Shore kid. Heck yeah, that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you haven't heard of North Shore, where have you <laughs> it's not that hard. So, getting kids that you know, and especially getting kids from elite programs will always carry weight in recruiting
0: well and it's um it's interesting to see that play out what you used to talk about houston and dallas because the cougars are not uh they're not in a place to be picky they're going to both <laughs> places uh very heavy handedly um and then the third thing i want to talk a second about like this the week that was for houston because frankly it felt really special but i'm not sure if i if Houston's going to become a power five program that we think it can be. That feels like what ought to happen. So can you help put in perspective for the listener and I like, yes, Houston had a big week. They pulled in six recruits in a transfer that were high, you know, big name guys. But if you're LSU, Auburn, Oklahoma, um, you're a Florida guy. If you're, you know, Florida or Florida state, even Miami, some years like that's this week was not crazy. Right. Well, to put it
1: in perspective uh, in two categories, number one rankings in two time, Florida, week before last, got six kids to commit in about 48 hours. One of them was a nose guard right from Kirby Smart's backyard that he wanted. They got the best player in Mississippi, et cetera. They're still on a whole nother level, like in rankings and talent. That's reality. But I would still rather get good players than not get players at all. You're not always going to get the – when the kids commit is just random. I I was talking to a a buddy of mine who runs, you know, the Florida Lockdown, and he's we're like, this is crazy. They didn't even expect that many kids, the people around the Florida program. Timing is goofy. So I think that Houston has elevated itself, but this does need to be the norm because mid-June to about mid-July is when most of the kids commit. If Houston ever gets into August anymore as a Power 5 program and they're not sitting at 9, 10 commits, it's probably a bad sign. So uh, they're pretty much on par with what they should be doing. And to be honest, they should probably get a few more kids between now and about the 15th of July, three, four more kids. That's the norm. If you're going to be Power 5, it is anyway. If you're not, then it's probably not going to go well in the Power 5. It's Again, it's about recruiting.
0: You mentioned that um, that Florida class—they're uh, top five ranked in the country right now. Um, they have they're they killed. have Lagway, like you mentioned, which I think strikes this particular quarter of the people in the Houston area. They have a, another DFW kid as well, so that they're hitting up Texas. They're hitting up all of it. Um, obviously, that's an exceptional year. Everyone wants to have that kind of year your sure. year year out. But I think it's important to point out, like a week of six ranked recruits is not it's not where like we shouldn't be like putting the bar there I need to be that needs to be kind of like the floor if you're trying to build that is exactly right
1: not only do you need six recruits you need six recruits that Texas and LSU wanted just being honest are they getting six of those no they're getting one or two and they're getting some upside kids They're, they're taking a flyer on some kids based on rankings not that that is everything but if you look at the history of the playoffs the teams that win it are the teams that get four and five star guys you know, and I know that's not Houston's first goal, realistically, but long-term, you got to get – I mean, the city is unbelievable. How much talent is in the greater – I mean, it's insane.
0: They, they can just recruit. Yeah, I mean, if you, you can just four recruit and five your star area. kids, yeah. yeah.
1: If you could get yearly five kids a year that are four or five-star kids from South Texas, you know, within an hour of campus like Willis or whatever, you could become a consistent top-20 program. And then if you get quarterback play, which this is why rankings are garbage anyway, you know, if there's a five-star offensive guard and there's a five-star quarterback, they're ranked the same on rivals and all that. Which one has more impact on the final score? That's <laughs> yeah. why when I rank recruiting classes, at bare minimum, your recruiting class is one-third based on the quarterback position. It's just true. So Houston can compete with those teams if they can get the trench guys and get some guys a corner, and then it comes down to quarterback. You're not going to beat Alabama head to head, even if you're freaking Tennessee or Florida, just banging with them. You got to be able to throw the ball, which that is the one thing. The Houston's Always pretty darn good. At. Yeah, it's yeah. You have to 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 make that jump. Houston needs quarterback development. They need better. T- I'm not saying they got to get Lagway. Dana's done it with weird weird guys, but it wouldn't hurt to get. I mean, like Lagway's arm strength is insane. To get a guy like that, I'd be curious to see what would happen with Holgersson.
0: Well, and like they've offered the, I don't know how much you buy in a twenty twenty six rankings, but Houston was one of the first places to offer uh, a top kid out of Austin. That's a twenty, a top twenty twenty six quarterback in the state. Sure. Like, like Houston's trying to get in early on these kids. Um, and I, I want, I want to stress, like it's not that Ronald McLean, a, a 6'4", 310 hundred and ten pound kid from Desoto, can't come in to make an impact or. That Caleb, Tom, like Caleb Thomas, has some wiggle for what's called a tight end at six three two twenty five. I think that those guys can help out, but it's like you're saying those top caliber programs get those kids and a couple four stars, get those kids and a five star QB. They get they get both, and so we're still looking for that right. latter half.
1: Yeah, the, this is the starting point. This is the tipping point. Let's see where Houston is at on August first. If they're not at, at least 10 commitments, you will see me have a very negative Houston Cougar <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> well, it will be a very
1: negative Houston Cougar. I'm calling I'm them out a- right now. I do not care. They, they I'm going to write down August 1st.
0: I'm going to write down August 1st, 10 kids, and we will talk again <laughs> in August because that's it's a very like easy metric, right? That's very clear clear cut. I mean, it's um, just over
1: a month and they got a bunch of kids that have left campus in the last few weeks. That's plenty of time to get somebody. I mean, come on. Plenty,
0: yeah. Talk talk to us, Brian, because you've done all June and it'll be all July and all this recruiting stuff all year long. Where can people find you and your work? I know you're talking about recruits nationally all the time.
1: (laughs) Um, Twitter is where you can find me the most often, at scout underscore Florida. This time of year in particular, I cover everybody, (laughs) whether I want to or not, because it's just all over the place. I, I was just texting with a buddy of mine in Florida about kids visiting Oregon. (laughs) I mean, it's literally a couple of kids that I know. I'm like, what? They're at Oregon? I didn't even know. Like, I know them. So it's just random. Uh, YouTube, same thing. FB Scout Florida. I I love talking about the the recruits this time of year. So I do a bunch of YouTube videos. That's that's my main thing right now. And I'm going to do kind of a wrap-up deal in about a week or so. Like, what I think about the SEC, what I think about the Big 12, what I think about the ACC kind, trends. Right now, I don't have an opinion in Houston yet. We need to see kind of what happens in the next couple of weeks. But they they started to make some noise, so they might make my show too. Big Twelve is really hard to pick right now because Oklahoma and Texas going. And it's by far the most difficult out of the major schools in the major uh, conferences.
0: Well, and it's it's big right now. It's got fourteen teams and um, a handful of new guys like Houston. We may need you're in you're in Central Florida. I'm not going to give away where you live, but you're in Central Florida. We may need to have you on to talk central Florida some point later in the year too, because um, they're in a weird boat that feels kind of similar to us. Um, you well, know, had some UCF
1: for two years and I know Gus and those guys that, that's going to be a unique program for a few years. It, it really will be.
0: We'll talk about I think they're in a particularly similar spot because of Gus Malzahn and Dana sure. Holgerson have both coached power five football, right? They're not like new to this in the way yep. that other other you know BYU and, and Cincinnati are. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for coming on today, Brian. It's it's fun to talk recruiting. And again, it's a fun week for Houston, but it's not one that we need to like put down in record books. Like this needs to just become the norm, right? That is <laughs> and, right. Thanks for coming on today, Brian. Go kooks. Go kooks.